Wholesaling Studios, powered by RumbleOn.com. It's time to take you behind the scenes in Smashville. That's across, he scores! This is the Preds' official podcast with Thomas Willis and Brooks Bratton. Powerful move from back of the net. On Smashville's best sports talk. ESPN. 102.5 The Game. The Predators official podcast here on ESPN 1025 The Game and streaming on the Game Nashville app. Brooks Bratton and Thomas Willis of NashvillePredators.com. You know, I had everything ready to go. Worked really hard on the rundown. Knew what we were going to talk about. Really hard? Sort of hard. Worked on the rundown. Worked on it a little bit. And then Pecorine was like, you know what? I'm going to score a goal and ruin everything. And it'll be great. I was about to say, or make everything <laughs> awesome. Make everything amazing. Welcome to episode 68 of the POP. Happy to have you along. They've done it. We have a win to talk about. Yes. That hasn't happened in what seems like a decade. For those of you who were frustrated that we did not somehow record a special edition of the podcast on Tuesday when the Predators made a coaching change, sometimes it's worth the wait. Aren't you glad we waited? Sometimes it's worth the wait. All right, programming note right off the top on that front. We were going to have head coach John Hines on as a guest this week. But we're going to likely save it probably for next week or at least a future episode just because we were looking at all the audio that we have. We've got a Poyle press conference. We've got Heinz press conference and post game, And then especially because of said Pecorine goal, we're kind of calling a little bit of an audible and we're going to go about it this way. But that being said, we're going to cover Thursday night's win in Chicago and the goal first. Then we'll take you back chronologically from the week that was a little bit Um in that order, a little bit better. So we'll go Poyle, LaViolette, Hines, and then the future. Our our thoughts, systems, we'll get into the nuts and bolts of that. Yeah, yeah, lots to get to. And again, we, we do uh, expect to have Coach John Hines on the show next week. So certainly be on the lookout for that. But we might have more to talk about this week than we ever have before. Because again, there's there was already enough to talk about this week. And then Pecorine did something that had only been done previously by 11 other goaltenders in the NHL. And then all of a sudden, the puck comes down to him in Chicago on Thursday night. The Predators are up by two already, and he decides to do this. Crawford will go to the bench again. Rene will try it. Rene going deep for the empty net. It is bouncing. Unbelievable. Pecorine looking for the empty net. Will it go? Scores! Pecorine! The whole bench was screaming, go for it, Pecca, go for it. And he did. Adam Artie Brodeur. He gets it and launches it. Under 30 seconds to play now. Crawford goes to the bench again. And Rene takes a long, elevated shot, bouncing, and he scores! <laughs> Pecorine scores into the empty net. Predators with a 5-2 lead. Pecorine becomes the second Predators goaltender in team history to score a goal. Willie Donick and Chris Mason on the Fox Sports Tennessee call. Brendan Burke and Pierre McGuire on NBC Sports. And then, of course, the voice of the Preds, Pete Weber and Hal Gill with the, the laugh that we all wanted to hear on that final call on the Predators Radio Network and this very station, ESPN 1025 The Game. I would say everybody was pretty excited. I don't know which one's my favorite yet. No. I, I've watched that clip many times, and I just heard it again in this moment, and I still don't know. I I think just the 
fraternal like reaction from Willie and Mace. Mace especially, yeah. Mace especially. I don't know. It might take the cake for me, but you're right. How Gil has taken on a little bit of reputation of just laughing in yeah. key moments. And <laughs> you said, good to hear it there. I mean, you had to. I but love yeah, it. Just yeah. the fact that there's a pause and then Mason and Don are going, ah! <laughs> just the simultaneous, I, I that's, oh! That's pretty great. Dang it! Yeah, yeah, in a sense. Yeah. So, hey, uh, Pecorini, as we said, the 12th goalie to do it in NHL history. And the Predators, this is fun, become the Hi, first. the NHL's 102 years old. Yeah. Just <laughs> The Nashville Predators. You of that. Your Nashville Predators, the first franchise in NHL history to have two different goaltenders score a goal. The other, yes, none other than Chris Mason, who scored the first goal. Yes, from a goaltender in Preds. A young and Thomas then, was listening on the radio <laughs> to that game because it wasn't even on TV. It was yeah. that long ago, and it was on a delayed penalty against the Phoenix Coyotes. Phoenix at the time. Phoenix at the time, and I remember when I first was getting my wife into hockey and teaching her the game. And we're talking about, you know, hey, on a delayed penalty, you pull the goalie to get the extra attacker. And she was like, does it ever, like, you know, actually score on yourself or go in? Like, would that count? Chris Mason is the reason that it counts. So, because you have to have possession of the puck. There's a key distinction for the penalty to take effect. And so, on that play, a Coyotes player has it behind the goal, tries to pass it out in front into the slot. It nicks off Mason's pad, so not possession, and then just goes 190 feet into the own goal. So not a shot, but a goal for Chris Mason. Yep. And I, I spoke to him uh, earlier in the day, and you can read the story on NashvillePredators.com. But Mace talked about that and said, I don't even really consider myself scoring a goal, right? Like he right. gets credit for it, but it, he was simply the last one to touch it. Pekka, that's the other thing. 12 goalies have done it. Only about half of them have actually shot it. Mm-hmm. So many of them have been credited because of that very scenario you just described. Pekka actually wound up and shot it. Only a few have ever done that. Well, and from the important place that is the third floor of Bridgeton Arena and the National Predators offices. That's where we work. It has been determined that Pekka Arena has scored the longest goalie goal in NHL history. Go to the tape. Go to YouTube. Check it out for yourself. So Ron Hextall is close in some grainy footage. He's behind the net, yeah. But I'm telling you, the fact that Rene is like, we checked it out today. So no. I welcome any challengers. Let me know if we're wrong on this, but we're claiming it. And the banner will be raised very soon, of course. <laughs> Pekka Rene, longest goaltender goal in NHL history. There it is. There it is. We all know and love Pex. It couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. And here's what he had to say in the moments following his first career at the ripe young age of 37, his first career goal. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I obviously understand that, you know, it might be once in a lifetime thing. So uh, I really enjoyed it. It was it was awesome feeling seeing that puck go in. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I thought that it's curving on left a little bit. And then it, bonked, it took a little correction and uh, ended up pretty middle. Uh, so I and then and I didn't I'm, I'm like trying to see it. And, and then he always said uh, Bonino, I think they were going nuts. And. Uh, it was pretty cool. It was, uh, I was just threw my hands up in the air and tried to try to act as cool as I can. <laughs> he not only threw his hands up in the air, but then my favorite part that I didn't actually realize until so this happened Thursday night, Friday morning. I'm watching it over and over and over again. Of course, I probably watched it 50 times by now. But thank you for your page views. Absolutely. Uh, the, so the guys, when someone scores a goal, you celebrate with your guys yes. on the ice, and then you go back to the bench and and do the glove tap with everybody the on the bench. Sure. And 
<laughs> the camera, I tweeted it if you haven't seen it, if you want to go back and see it, you can find the, the link there from the NHL. But the the camera stays on Pekka, and Matthias Ekholm's like, go, go to the bench. And you can tell that the guys are saying, come on, come on. And he's like, no, no, he's waving them off. Just that's, to prolong that moment one more time. Honestly, that's my favorite part, I think, of this whole thing. Well, and here's the deal. If you work at the United Center, you might find want to find a way to not allow Pecorine back in. I mean, of course, we all remember the two shutouts in 2017 in the first round when the Preds swept the Blackhawks. In one of those games, he had not one but two assists, correct? Am I right on that? Yep, yep. And, and then now the Hawks do finally get two goals past him on Thursday night, and Pekka says, <laughs> we'll take this. <laughs> I'm going to score the first goalie goal in seven years since yeah. 2013. Yeah. Well, and, and that's just, how rare it is. Just the game itself, like I, I was telling people in the office, how how quickly you go from. By the way, the Predators won the game five two. Yeah, I was just about Hawks. to transition us to that. <laughs> John Hines, technically his second game behind the bench, yeah. but really, truly his first game behind the bench as head coach of the Nashville Predators. Which, if you've been living under a rock. Or if this is the only place you get your Nashville Predators news, we're flattered, but you know by now that John Hines is the third head coach in Predators history. Again, so much more to talk about as we go along. And that Someone sense, just drove off the road. Someone's like, wait, what? Uh, anywho, so technically Thursday in Chicago was really kind of his first game as the Predators had a chance to implement some things, have a practice, have some morning meetings under coach John Hines showed them, Hey, here's what we're going to try to do. Here's what I want to try to implement tonight. They get out to the three, nothing lead, but Chicago gets one in the second one in the third. And Hines calls the timeout right after that second goal Mm -hmm. early in the third. That was huge because Chicago continued to push a little bit after that, but the Predators really settled down and got back to playing the way that they did in the first period that allowed them to have a 3 nothing lead. So how quickly you go from, oh, crap, Chicago might tie this game to Nick Benino gets the first empty netter to make it 4-2 to say, and then you're like, okay, good, bone scored, we're going to be good, that's over, it's going to be 4-2. And then all of a sudden Pekka scores and the whole entire trajectory of the night just the completely changes. changes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's touch on it briefly. We'll really go in depth in the next two segments, but you mentioned it. In effect, the first real game behind the bench for new head coach John Hines, only the third in Predators franchise history. Here's some of his thoughts after that. Again, in air quotes at least, first game for the Preds. Uh, more, excuse me, more comfortable than the first game. You know, and I think it'll get more and more comfortable just with running the line, seeing who plays uh, with what. I think you know some of the changes that you want to make. You, you really have an idea of who's executing and who's not. But it was it was good. I really you know the guys came really to play. They were engaged in the game. Um, you know even even at the end, I think that you know Chicago made a strong push. And you know I think getting through that and finding a way to win the game was big was big for these guys because there's a lot of positives from it. And um, I think. If, when you can win and teach, it's better than have to teach and lose. So we'll, we'll we'll take the positives of that. And I think a lot of us watching would point to that first period where you start to get excited, you start to notice some distinct changes, you start to notice a few mistakes as well, to be candid, but especially on some of the breakout plays, um, under the Laviolette system, you saw a lot more emphasis on the defense. So the defenseman would skate it out of the defensive zone or carry the puck just a little bit more. Most breakouts and a system will go defense to a forward on the half wall kick it out to the center and again on the lobby that system you did that to a point but what Hines wants his guys to do is go d to forward to center and then back to that winger again and just 
getting the puck up the ice and to the forwards a lot faster and yep. even deeper in the neutral zone as well. And we'll see how that works against more difficult opponents. Again, to be candid, the Blackhawks are at the bottom of the Central Division. Um, but you saw some of that, and you saw that result in three goals for the Preds in the first period, an excellent period, maybe the best period of hockey they've played in a month. I don't know if that's you know too extreme to say. Um, but then you also saw it at times, and this is how it's going to be for the next three, four weeks. A pass might get made across in the defensive zone, and a Preds player was skating the other direction, and it was like, oh, that was for me. I mean, again, it's just so many things to remind yourself of, so many things to change here and there. And in no way did Hines just, you know, slap a 500-page textbook on everyone's locker room stall and say, you know, get to work. Yeah. But even with those little moments that you're implementing, those are just more things to remember. These are NHL players. They're going to do a great job at it. I think you saw that in the first period. It will take time, however. But what a good first step. Yeah, he said that as much on Thursday morning. Hey, it's not going to be perfect. And it certainly wasn't perfect. But more often than not, and I think that the, the start couldn't have been any better. You... You, you can talk all you want and say how excited you are to, to get the new system, get some new concepts in, and really just have a fresh go at it. But if that's flipped and Chicago has a 3 nothing lead after the first period, yeah, you're still going to try, but your confidence is going to be way lower than it would be if, if you didn't get that start. So I think that was huge, and Coach said that as much. He said the guys were mentally ready to go. Right, like they had a good practice on Wednesday. They didn't go on the ice on Thursday morning. They just had some meetings at the United Center. Went back to the hotel, had plenty of time to get mentally ready. And then when they get back there, they have their final meetings and talk about, here's what we want to do. And again, like you said, he's not slapping a, a full-on manual and say, learn all this, and if you don't figure it out, then you're done. Right? It's going to go in baby steps. It's going to be one thing at a time, and, and you're going to continue to try to implement things as we go along in the days, weeks, months to come. And, and hopefully all, that will all lead to good things for the Predators. But again, it's one thing at a time. The breakouts were the big thing that they did mention, that he mentioned after the game, John Hines did, as the thing that he noticed most that he was trying to implement, and then he felt that he's t his team was comfortable doing it for the most part. And, and again, there's still mistakes were made, and I think that's just in different facets all over the ice. You're going to have that right now. But for the most part, it was a really good first step to get that win in Chicago against a big rival, that, that history is already there. It's already easy to get up for a Blackhawks game. But then considering the circumstances of what everything entailed, what the day brought with it, what the week had been like for the players, it was a tough week. You go from a back-to-back -back set in California, you fly home all day on Monday, and all of a sudden your head coach and your associate coach are done. A new guy comes in. You have to play a game that night on the same day that he's announced. You practice Wednesday, another game Thursday. So a tough week for the players. Credit to them for coming in on Thursday, putting forth a good solid effort against the Blackhawks, and we go from here. Up next, back to your previously scheduled programming that was until Thursday at 10.02 p.m. Central Time. We'll look at why the change was made behind the bench and the Predators with bringing in head coach John Hines and relieving Peter Laviolette, and Kevin McCarthy of their coaching duties. That's next on the Preds official podcast on ESPN 1025 The Game. Preds official podcast, ESPN 1025 The Game, and right now on the Game Nashville app. For Brooks Braddon, I'm Thomas Willis. The two of us of NashvillePredators.com, Calvin Smith, a local hero and our local producer. We <laughs> <laughs> well, that got Calvin. 
He enjoyed that. Hey, then Calvin got me. Um, <laughs> Should I take over? That's not very professional. Um, we wanted to discuss the news of the week prior. Again, we had to go to Thursday night's game um, due to its significance. Honestly, we breezed over the fact of what happened on Tuesday's game. That was a oh yeah, the, the Bruins. <laughs> the Bruins won six to two. Um, and, and what happened over the weekend, honestly. Right. And it was John Hines' uh, first game behind the bench for this reason. So l- let's get into it. Um, head coach Pierre Laviolette had been with the organizations for six seasons, so I guess technically five and a half, almost on the dot. Um, associate coach Kevin McCarthy had been with him for that entire time, had been associate coach for the last two or three years, not that that really matters, had been his right-hand man um, for all that time. And we got to see... A very passionate and disappointed, vocal general manager David Poyle when he had to uh, relay some of this news to the media on Tuesday. But he was, you know, very clear and direct in why he felt this move move had to be made. And then we get John Hines, previously of the New Jersey Devils, even as recently as this season, he was their head coach. Um, and then through a variety of connections, gets named as the third ever head coach in franchise history. So. First on LaViolette, McCarthy, and Poyle, and where this Predators team is right now. at As we record, just past the halfway point, but let's generalize and say halfway through the season and outside of a playoff spot. Well, I, I think it's important first off to say I do realize that it's a business and sometimes changes need to be made, uh, but I think we'd be remiss if we didn't give a little thank you to Peter LaViolette and Kevin McCarthy for everything they did for this franchise uh, un, under LaViolette's watch, especially this team, this franchise did things that it had never done before. And uh, that that's all in, in large part to what they were able to do with, with their teams, their players, and uh, the way that they were behind the bench. So again, special shout out to them. And we certainly wish them all the best in all their future endeavors. And uh, David Poyle pretty much said that verbatim uh, on, on Tuesday when he addressed us in the media at Bridgestone Arena. So Peter Laviolette, Kevin McCarthy relieved of their duties on Monday after the Preds returned home from Anaheim after that California weekend. Then Tuesday morning, so game day against Boston, the Predators named John Hines as the third head coach in franchise history. You mentioned it behind the bench for that Boston game, but again, really as more of an observer. He he was in charge, and technically he Did was, not even run the morning skate. Let yeah. his two assistant coaches in Muse and Lambert do that. Had some you know, video meeting and did meet with the team, but in no way was involved in the pre-scout and no way was saying, you know, hey, here's the systematic changes we're going to make. Yeah, yeah. Did, just didn't have time yes, to be candid. Exactly. And so the first full practice comes Wednesday. They begin to implement new systems and concepts. More on that in, in just a bit. But why did this happen? So David Poyle, he, he was visibly frustrated when he spoke to us on Tuesday morning for the first time without John Hines. It was just him in that first session. Uh, and and this is an answer, or I guess part of the opening remarks from David Poyle as to why this had to happen, and then what he told the players, uh, his Predators players, after this change was made. I've met with the players this morning, I, and I've talked to a, f- a few guys. My message to the, the players was that I'm responsible for this. I'm responsible for this change, and I take that responsibility. But you as players have to share in the responsibility of what's taking place today. I don't want to be a cliche or to use a cliche, but they often say that uh, you change a coach because you can't or it doesn't make sense to change 20 20 players. Our team is 
way better than it's performed this year. But we have obviously some team concepts, systems that aren't working as effective as they should. And we also have some individuals that are playing way below uh, their their level of potential or the expectations that we have. Uh, so it's been a hard year. There's a lot of things that are not gone well with our team. And I'm very sorry that uh, we had to make a coaching change. But as, as I feel today, I thought long and hard about this. And I felt if we have any chance to play better in the second half of the season to get into the playoffs, to play to our potential, that we need a new new voice. We need some changes. I don't think we need a lot of changes, but we need some changes. You'll and this, this, sorry, Thomas, this is, this is not David Poyle style, right? He's only had six head coaches his enti- the entire time he's been a general manager, almost 40 years, only six. He's only removed a coach twice before when he was in Washington it, during the regular season. He doesn't like to do it this way. Barry Trotz, Peter DeLaviolette, of course, the only two before John Hines in the over 20-year history of the Predators. This is not his style. This is a last resort type thing. But as you heard him say, he felt like this needed to be done. And if you hear me say one thing on this episode of the podcast, know that in life, in sports, there's a lot of times when you just don't have one simplistic answer. There's a multitude of factors, and this is absolutely that case. I think you and I sit here when we hear you know, either a fan fans comments or other media members comments and it wants to be simplistic right oh this happened therefore we must do this oh this is lacking therefore fire the coach or you know this is the issue and you'll hear things said like well the predators tenure was the longest ever for peter laviolette in his career which is crazy including the fact he won a cup in carolina and yet was with the predators longer than he was with the hurricanes and you'll hear things like oh stale or the messaging or it was time and all it was so many things, and I think that's even confusing for some people because they'll hear, how can it be the player's fault but also LaViolette's fault and, and a variety of things? And I just to point to a few of them just to help explain it, um, I would say, one, the Predators have said this. We've talked about this on the, on this show. The goaltending has been a little bit lower and subpar than what it's been in the past. Um, from Rene's perspective, especially from Saros's perspective, hasn't quite been the numbers there. The defensive play has not, you know, been as good. And and again, you've also had players that over the course of their career have been 50, 60, even 70 point guys and aren't at those numbers. And so because of that, in a sense, different than in most sports, and you'll hear me say this a lot too, I guess, but the more you study hockey and the more you're around it and the more you watch it, you realize what a what a crazy and weird game we have chosen to marry ourselves to. <laughs> I mean, there are things that just don't make sense. There are fluky plays. There are aberrations. You goalie are, scoring goals. There are goalie scoring goals. Um, it's just not as logical as maybe we'd like it to be. Um, and especially, like, I always use the NBA as an example. On most given nights, the overwhelmingly better team wins an overwhelmingly majority of the team. In hockey in the regular season, the worst team in the league can beat the best team on one night, and that means nothing. It the best team will continue to be the best team, the worst team will continue to be, you know, around in those standings just because you can't predict it all. Um but anyways, so in hockey, there is an element of coaching that is emotion and is belief. You heard Laviolette say that a lot in his tenure with the Predators and just preparedness to execute 
And so because of that, it's not as if it's all these X's and O's. Like it's not like the NFL where, you know, you you might have an offensive genius that's, you know, thought of a new way. Hey, we're going to play four wide receivers all the time and no one does that. Hockey's kind of the same game a, a lot of the way, you know, here and there. So because of that, you will see across the history of the NHL that sometimes you just need a reset. You need the players to get out of the monotony, get out of the things they've heard a lot of times, you know, have something new to cling to, have a new voice to tell them, here's, you know, you can do this, get out there. Um, and then, of course, yes, the systems and, and the advanced analytics and all that is a part of it. But because of that simplistic part of the game, that's why it works sometimes. That it is, it is a pretty proven thing that in the history of hockey, you can make a coaching change in the middle of a season and get into the playoffs or even, you know, win a Stanley Cup. Like that thing has happened. And again, this is me just making up a number here. I feel like it's about 50 50. Like when you have a talented team that's a, actually has the talent to be in the playoffs, but for whatever reason is below their standard and you make a coaching change, it works out probably close to about 50% of the time. We've seen it this far in this season. I, I'm thinking up this number at the top of my head. There's been five to seven coaching changes already in the NHL. I think this was the sixth, I believe. Yeah, and, and you know a couple of those are you know not related to the team play, but we've seen that, right? The Toronto Maple Leafs let go of their coach. They're back in the playoffs. They've recovered. They've rebounded and changed their season. The San Jose Sharks did the same thing. Not really. They're kind of about where they were, and so we'll see where this Predators team is able to go, but I think as – I'll, I'll use the word guilty, as guilty as some of the players felt for costing Laviolette and McCarthy their jobs, I think at least in the first period, and we're going off a small sample size, but at least in the first period, you saw you saw a difference, and you saw the breath of fresh air seem to actually be working for this Predators team. Yeah, going into that locker room on Tuesday after the uh, the change had been announced on Monday evening, of course, and then John Hines comes in, the, the players echoed David Poyle's sentiments. Rocco Grimaldi saying it's unfortunate that two people had to be the scapegoats because of a problem we're all a part of. Yeah. and But at the same time, as you said, it, it is sometimes having a fresh voice is good, and, and, I, and maybe that's what it is. And, and we've talked so many times about – how many games have we had where the Predators have said, "Oh, this is a wake up call"? Yeah. Well, you yeah. can't you can't get a bigger wake up yeah. call than this in in the middle of a regular season. Pecorine, well, I liked what Peck said too. He's like, "We've been we've been saying the same stuff over yeah. and over again. There's a lot of time. There's a lot of time, but time's running out. We we have to start stop talking and actually start playing the way that we know that we're capable." Well, of. Well, I, I really I really will give it back to you very quickly here, but I think that was in a sense my point about the multitude of factors. And don't think us sitting here as hosts when we've told you, "Hey, this." game was lost for this reason or this happened for this that truly was the case it was special teams sometimes it was goaltending sometimes every now and then it was lack of effort and belief and so there wasn't just one answer and that's why it's tough that's why it's a gutsy call to make a coaching change because you can't just say you know x and y and it equals z and here's what we have to do you you just don't know for sure um one thing i'm excited to see now that you have that coaching change is under the Predators' current construction, the way that they were still playing, in my opinion, they were playing under still having those four number one type defensemen, still as if they had P.K. Subban in his prime. And I think it looks certainly like the right move to add in Duchesne and get rid of Subban because of you know the way that his career has progressed since he's gone to New Jersey. But if you still had P.K. in his prime, I think we'd all take P.K. in his prime right mm-hmm. now because we remember what he did leading the Preds to the Stanley Cup final. I think the Predators were still playing that way. I think they were relying a little bit too much on their defensemen to create offense and carry the puck a little bit too much. I think one of the things that Hines has already said that he wants to change, 
get the puck to the forwards a little bit sooner. You and I have sat here, and in our confusion, trying to figure out what was going on this season, we've been like, isn't this the most talented forward group the Predators have ever had in 22 seasons? Why is this occurring? They can score five goals some nights, and then they'll give up six, or they'll give up, you know, whatever, or not be able to dig themselves out of a bad second period. So I think even just some of those changes, you know, could help. I think Pecorine also summed it up well on Tuesday morning when he said, we have to believe, we have to trust John, and we have to trust what he's coming in to do and and believe that we're capable of getting out of this and getting ourselves into the playoffs. And as we said, it's only one game in Chicago, but that's a pretty darn good place to start. Up next, we will go through the first few days of the John Hines era in Nashville and tell you how he plans on turning this season around. This is the Predators official podcast on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Segment three of the Predators official podcast. It's episode 68. It's on ESPN 1025 The Game. Brooks Bratton and Thomas Willis back along with you. We've covered a lot already. Pecorino scored a goal. One thing we haven't covered, if you're wondering why we lost it when we referred to Calvin Smith as a local hero, that's a joke <laughs> that's been going on for about a year. I have we not covered this I yet? Don't, I don't know that we have. I don't want to spoil it, but Apologies let's just say that about a year ago, look this up on the news, do some Googling. Calvin Smith served as, you know, just a good Samaritan. A, <laughs> I mean, a local, I just don't know how to describe it better than a local hero. But let's just say he's looking out for you, Nashville. Yeah. And we'll leave it at that. And he's got a great and sweater. And now back to the show. He's got a great sweater on today, He does too. as well. Yes. So anyways, let's get into Coach Hines. What, what these changes mean, I think. I wonder if Coach Hines likes sweaters. <laughs> <laughs> he's about to be a local hero. Calvin better watch out if we, he keeps up this pace. We're about to find out. Let's look at Coach Hines, what changes he could bring to this team, what he's already done, what we see over the next few weeks. Well, so he's, I mean, it's a it's a monumental task. Well, maybe, maybe monumental is strong. He's the it's man, not an easy one. He's the man being tasked with getting the Predators into the playoffs for the sixth consecutive season. Mm-hmm. And they are not far out of a spot right now, but they are out. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have to win way more games than they lose down the stretch because mm-hmm. you know the top teams aren't going anywhere. And you know the teams that are in their position are also doing everything they can to make a push. Yeah. So it's not going to be easy for John Hines and the Preds. But he's he impressed me from the moment that we talked to him first on Tuesday during his introductory press conference. Because let's be candid, you and I were shocked too. I mean, the news was shocking. And yeah. you and I had never met John Hines before, so we are like, what does this mean? Yeah. What's going to happen? And I and I had had a couple people reach out to me and, and tell me what a good guy he is. So one, that makes you feel a little bit better, but you want to hear what he's going to do with the hockey team. And he was really impressive from the moment that we spoke to him on Tuesday morning, after the Boston game as well, after practice on Wednesday, and then before the game against Chicago at the morning skate or the morning meetings at the United Center, I thought this was interesting because, again, he had already told us so much by this point on Thursday morning, but he was asked, what do you really want to see from this team in this game, particularly this game tonight against the Blackhawks on that Thursday, and here's what he had to say. Uh, I feel good. You know, I credit the guys. They were they were really attentive yesterday. I mean, we've tried to keep things concise and pointed, and not not try to make huge adjustments. But we did a, a couple things in the in the defensive zone that um, shouldn't be too difficult, but hopefully can just provide some things that we want to do. Cut cut plays off the top, keep our D in a little bit better position, uh, deny the middle of the ice more with layers of defense and. You know, those are things that, you know, that 
they're NHL players, so it's just I think if you can be clear and concise with the video, and then we just went out and practiced exactly those concepts. We want to play a little bit faster. We want to push the pace more. We want to get the puck up out of the D's hands into the forwards and play as a five-man unit up ice a little bit better, and we worked on that. So um, simple things, um, and you know we're looking forward to see those things take place tonight. They're not going to be perfect, but as I talked to the players, it's about building an identity and staying with the identity and forging it, and, and not, not everything's going to be perfect but it's got to continue to get more and more into our game over the course of time. Building the identity and staying with it is key. I really like to hear him say that. And you, he gave a lot of examples there on what he wants to do. Uh, being better in the middle of the ice, paying special yeah. attention to the middle of the ice is something that, re- that he really hit on. Being a fast team, which I think you've already you already had that desire a little bit with Peter Laviolette. Yes. But being a fast team, being better and more concise on your breakouts, making better decisions, having more structure in your defensive zone, being more creative in the offensive zone. All these little things. You're and, and as he said too, they're simple things. It's not like we're trying to reinvent the game of hockey here. There's right. only so many yeah. there's only so many ways that you can play hockey. You're yep. not gonna come up with some mind boggling yep. change that's gonna reinvent everything. Yep. yep. Yeah, I think you're going to see some of the layering that the Predators would do in the neutral zone. That's kind of a fancy word for a neutral zone trap in a sense. So how they would align themselves in the neutral zone um, on defense under the Laviolette system. I think you're going to see that change. You're going to see it be a bit more open because, again, Hines wants some more avenues, wants some more opportunity to go defense to forward or then forward back to defense, depending on how it works. You're going to see a lot more from the forwards, for good or bad. You're going to see them try to fight for the interior of the ice in the slot especially on the forward front, and let your defenseman be there at the point in the offensive zone in a supporting role. Not as much diving down the wall and, you know, and trying to, you know, continue the cycle in that way and pinching and doing, you know, doing those sorts of moves. I think you're going to notice that as well. And he's got a big task. Back to my multitudes of factors thing. So in no way was Laviolette fired just because the Predators failed to get that second point on that game in Anaheim. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not the reason. It was in part because of the first period where they were outshot 21 to 4, and David Poyle felt they were just not prepared. And he kept saying in his press conference, you know, how can something like that happen? It's also because of special teams. It's also because over the last two years, the power play has not been where it's wanted to be. The penalty kill has, you know, regressed from what we traditionally used to think of the Predators of having a top 10 penalty kill. They don't right now. And, you know, some people will say, I don't get it. Hines had a terrible record in New Jersey. You know, you know, why would you want to do that? You know, number one, this is the most talented team he's ever managed, period. And yes, it did not work in his one, his first NHL stint in New Jersey, but he worked in the American Hockey League. It's worked with USA Hockey, and and that's in part how comfortable the Predators felt in getting Hines is pretty apparent. I mean, to the point that their assistant general manager, Jeff Kelty, was roommates with Hines. And Poyle, of course, involved in USA Hockey, Kelty as well. They knew him from there. Mm-hmm. They got a lot of good feedback on him as well because for those that don't know this Ray Shiro so the GM of the Devils used to be the assistant GM of the National Predators with David Poyle so that connection is very strong again they were getting this feedback they were getting this positivity and that's why Hines was their guy you know very quickly it wasn't you know he wasn't option C here you know he is the guy that they wanted to turn this team around and and you heard Nick Benino this week say effectively what you were saying, you know, we're NHL players. We get it. We're going to be able to figure it out. We've mm-hmm. played under a lot of different systems and a lot of different teams. I think of Matt Duchesne, for example, who was saying to you earlier this week, he's been yeah, very, I've basically played this system before. Yeah. Duchesne's but, been very enlightening through this whole process. Yeah. But think about the fact that he just played for the senators, the blue jackets and the predators in what, like 
12 months. Yeah. I mean, less than that. So you make changes like that. The difference is it's a whole unit that's doing it. And there's a lot of different things here and there that need to be fixed. And it's that's where you go about it being a Herculean Herculean task. Maybe it's not, but it's tough because it's yeah. this, that, this, that, you know, all these sorts of different things. Um, and, and we'll see just implementing them shortly. But you're going to see, and I think you saw it on Thursday night, the Predators are going to approach the defensive zone a bit differently. I saw this. This stuck out to me. And we'll see how much of this continues as a Heinz thing. But they were sending a forward to the front of the net, period. Every single time they were in the offensive zone. One of the guys, usually the center, was just in the front of, in the front of the net. And again, I think Hines values that portion of the ice as he should so much that he's willing to, you know, be at a disadvantage on the boards because he wants the puck if it gets to the middle of the ice to have a guy and be there ready for it. John Hines told us Tuesday that he really likes teaching the game, but not making it overcomplicated. Not put trying to cram information into guys' heads, being simple and concise. Here's what we want to do. Here's how we're going to do it. And you mentioned Matt Duchesne. He's played for a lot of teams recently. He's seen a lot of coaches, a lot of systems. Duchesne said after that first practice, he felt like it was crystal clear what John Hines wanted. He said he didn't want to get, like sometimes it's kind of cliche, like people talk about the little details of the game. But he said sometimes he thinks it almost gets gets overrated in a way, that, that the details that John Hines is showing aren't necessarily little ones. They're big ones, but they make sense, and they can really add a lot to your game. And every coach has those little nuances on how they like to play, but it's been easy to understand for the Predators players what John Hines is trying to teach them so far. And a guy like Matthias Ekholm said, concepts are difficult. It just simply takes time because you become comfortable doing something for five years. You don't have to think when you're out there. Now, you have to think a little bit harder. Yes, But it's, again, they aren't difficult concepts and as the Predators go along, they're going to become more and more comfortable. One more thing that really stuck out to me is John Hines as a communicator. And I'm really looking forward to asking him about this next week when we, when we have him on. But his comments from the first press conference on his personality as a coach and kind of how he approaches that area of the game. Well, I think I uh, I really like to communicate when it's when it, when it's time to work. You know, we'll work. I, I, I do believe in... Um, you know, being very direct in your message where there's not a lot of gray area in, in how we're going to play or, or how we want to do things. Um, you know, practice-wise, when we do practice, that you want to have attention to detail and strong pace and you're really executing what, what you want to do. Um, you know, I think around the game, there, there has to be a certain level, uh, I think, of intensity and focus that you need to have. But uh, in the player's lounge, on the plane, around, you know, I'm, I'm uh, easy easy to talk to. I do like to socialize. I You know, I got... A life outside of the game and and uh you know i think that's when you talk to players that have played uh under me it's 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 uh there there is an intensity and and, and directness but there's also a, a human side that you know you understand that even the players are humans too and it can't be hockey nonstop. i would also add just one more time if i haven't said this earlier in no way is this an indictment on laviolette his system i he's going to be in the nhl again and he's going to succeed in the nhl again but i think you hit on it a bit earlier it's shifting things. It's changing things. It's having a new voice and getting out of that comfort level that you were in that probably you shouldn't have been. Because, again, it had been six seasons. So many of these Preds players, this is the only coach that they've known, that they've mm-hmm. only had him for their career, and you got used to things and the way that they were. Again, not to pull back the curtain too much, but you know, Hines will change a lot of different things. How he does press conferences, how he does practices, how the team behaves on the plane. It's just those little different things. And I think the reason Poyle felt he needed to make the move now 
is because of the confidence he does have in this team, the belief that he does have that they are a playoff and championship caliber team. He wasn't ready to sit here and say, you know what, we lost the season. We're just going to go for a draft pick. We're going to be sellers at the deadline. He thought that he had one more chance to try and turn this around with 41 games to go or so to refocus these players and be able to get something out of it. I really like that he said he he has a life outside of hockey, right? He, it's important to him to find that balance between your time at the rink and your time away from it. I think you and I have gotten better at that as we've gone along in our roles. That it's When you're at the rink, it's time to work, and, and you work really hard and you do what you have to do. But it's also important to have other interests outside of the game. And I think all the players feel that way. And I like that John Hines feels that way as well. It's important to remember that these guys are humans. Yes, they're professional athletes. Yes, they're highly compensated and they're expected to win. But they're human beings too. Yeah. And you have to get to know the person just as much as you get to know the professional athlete. Yeah. And I think John Hines, one, has already done a good job of doing that as much as he possibly can in a busy four days to start his tenure here. But he's only going to get better at that as we go on down the line. And I think that's a really key point in how he can be good for this Predators team. Two quick things as we close. One, this is a change for us. We came in in 2014, and LaViolette and McCarthy were the two guys in charge. They're all that you and I are used to. It's a yeah. change even for us. We'll see if it makes us better. I say that a little facetiously, but seriously, seriously as well. And, and secondly, it's going to take about a month. You've got to give Hines about a month to do this. And what you need from this Predators team is just on the breath of fresh air, on the belief, on the passion, on that part of the game, Get some wins now to stay in the race so that when the new system is in fully in place, when you know they don't have to think, okay, I do this now, not that, and they're able to execute better on the ice, that's when you're 6-0-1, you're 7 out of 8. That's when you string together a bunch of wins and really assert yourself back into the race. I mean, finally, the three best teams in the Western Conference right now are in the Central Division. Mm-hmm. The three best teams in the whole conference are in the Predators Division. They, are you surprised? I know, right? They've got a tough battle and a tough uphill climb to make, but now they at least have a belief that it appears they can do it. And with that, we will be back in just a moment to wrap things up on the POP here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Final segment of the Fred's official podcast on ESPN 102.5 game. Okay, I'll admit that song isn't too bad. Brooks has just been a thematic scorer <laughs> trying to <laughs> instrumentally pick all of our music for this show. Okay, that one, that one's okay. All right, well, welcome I ho- back. I hope someone, I hope one listener appreciated the themes of the music as we've gone along. No here. Coldplay, so at least two survey filler outers. Well, no, there's always Coldplay that. at the beginning. Well, that's, that's a good point. <laughs> Sorry, survey filler. I'm Thomas outers. Willis to my right, Brooks Braddon to my left, Calvin Smith. We'll Our get higher producer, and higher. We'll get higher and higher. Straight up, we'll climb. Maybe. The and standings. Anyway. <laughs> wow. Um, here to wrap this one up here on the Preds Official Podcast. What a what a week that what a week <laughs> it was. I hardly even know where to begin. Um, we'll see. Interested to see where this Predators team goes next, especially considering the fact that. They're without Ryan Ellis or without Dante Fabro. I mean, two of your top four defensemen have been out for three or four games. I think any win that you get needs to be cherished. They're heading back onto the road, have not played the Jets before an afternoon tilt there in mm-hmm. Winnipeg. That'll be interesting to see. Have not played the Oilers yet either. Old friend 
familiar face for Predators fans, James Neal, oh. now with the Oilers. The Oilers are having a better season than I think a lot of people thought they would. I think the narrative around them was maybe a year or two more before they're back in the thick of the playoff race, but they are. They're in it right now. Connor McDavid just scored like the best goal I've seen in years earlier this week. So very tough test coming up. And then the bye week is not too far away, for lack of a better term. Yeah. I mean, about six or seven days without games, without practice, the team will head their separate ways leading into the All-Star Weekend in St. Louis where Roman Yossi will be. So it's a very interesting time. I think if at any point the Predators are able to get leading into that break is very significant when they're still, in theory, without an Ellis Fabro or assistance. We'll see you on them and then under the new coach as well. It's going to be so cold in Edmonton. My, like highs like minus 16 when we're there. So send your well wishes. I do. I honestly do. I, I <laughs> Not do, directly team related, but Brooks related. No, <laughs> I do want to feel what temp, what cold like that. I don't know that I've ever felt temperatures that cold, like air temperatures. I felt wind chills that cold. Yeah. Growing up north, but yeah. I admit, like the lows could be near minus 30 when we're there. The yeah. actual air temperature, not the wind chills. Yeah. So buckle up. All right. we, we, we may not return. Let's do two orders of business quickly. One, I'm making this up on the, on the spot. Go to nationalpairs.com slash podcast and fill out our survey there just for some more data on how to make this show better. If you've already filled it out, you're automatically entered. Let's give away an autographed puck um, if you do that. And we will let you then, as the winner, pick which player that is. Wow. You know, Pending we don't have that player, but we should. We should have every player's uh, puck autograph. We'll just get them. You know, or, or we'll get it. So, yeah, so fill out the survey. Use hashtag Preds podcast, you know, throughout the week to ask us questions. But again, we'll see your name on the survey and we will pick a winner for that. So thank you for doing that. The second thing in order of business is the whiteout is coming back to Smashville to Bridgestone Arena. So 03, 04, way back when, of course, at that point, the NHL was wearing white jerseys at home, which was the mis- which was a terrible mistake. It's cool. Great, great look. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Anyways, the Preds would do, you know, whiteouts and uh, have their fans dress accordingly. Don't hold me to this, but it looks like there will be a giveaway for all the fans on January the 18th, a white T-shirt, something like that, to turn the arena white because the Preds will be wearing their winter classic jerseys at home. For my money, when the Preds made the switch to gold from navy to gold in 2011, they have not worn a white jersey at home, I think, since. I seriously think it's that simple. So that's very cool. Um, We think they'll wear them one more time as well. But 118 against the Buffalo Sabres, winter classic jerseys, a whiteout, nashbros.com slash tickets go there you know if you're not coming check it out it's gonna be very cool um so yeah those are the two orders of business for me what was our one twitter question this week you're gonna want to be there. we didn't ask for twitter well, questions but we found one and no yeah curious. you're you're fine we're not blaming anyone we didn't ask for them because <laughs> we had so much to talk about but as thomas said use hashtag preds podcast you don't have to wait for us to ask you you can ask us anytime sarah did she said uh this is a good it, you're right sarah it is a good question for the preds podcast but what is it like for the players on injured reserve when a new coach comes in how much more difficult is it for them because they can't actually be out there on the ice with the guys and the new coaching staff during the first practice with John Hines on Wednesday, Ryan Ellis, Dante Fabro, and Colton Sissons were all on the bench watching. That is incredibly rare. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I've ever seen injured players sitting on the bench watching practice because they need to learn just as much as the guys who were healthy, who were already playing. So even though they obviously can't be out there on the ice right now practicing with their teammates and putting those things into fruition, they can at least be out there and see what's being done. And, and they're having so many meetings and film sessions like that. that. Yeah. So it's not like they're completely away from the team and they have no idea what's going on. They, they're having a lot of meetings going over a lot of things on film. 
they've got a good grasp of it. And as we said earlier in the show, these are elite hockey players, elite minds, mm-hmm. who you give them something to do on the ice, and they're probably going to be able to figure it out. I was going to say that. Number one, there's a lot more to practice than just what you and I report on, what's on ice or what you see as a fan. There's video sessions. There's special meetings just for the power play and the penalty kill. In general, if you're an injured player, you're around the team just as much as you can. And that even includes sometimes going on road trips, even if you know you're probably not going to play. Now, if it's a super extended one, then, you know, probably not. But wouldn't I be surprised at all to see those three, as of this recording, Fabro Ellison Sissons, even go on this next road trip? Because yeah. it's a special time right now. It's a unique time. You want to be soaking up as much as you can under this new system yeah. and what Heinz wants to do. Well, and so, for example, it was only a one-game trip to Chicago, but Dante Fabro was there. Ryan yeah. Ellis and Colton Sissons were not. They're still yeah. on an injured reserve. It makes sense for them to stay, but Dante Fabro did go. So, again, if you're getting closer, you're going to be around the team mm-hmm. more and more, but they've, they've all got an idea of what John Hines wants to see from them. And reminder, just for how the injuries go, you'll likely see a Preds player skate first at a practice or at a morning skate. You and I will report it. Preds NHL on Twitter will report it. Like it, you're, Unlike some sports, you're not just going to see a guy jump into the lineup right now. So it looks like we're still a little bit off, but you know, getting closer, some good signs on all three of those guys, and that's very significant for this Predators team, especially going into that break. Send us home. Whew, take a deep breath. What a, what a week it was, as you said, as we continue on into the year 2020, the new decade. It's been a wild two weeks, and there is so much more to come. For Thomas Willis, you can follow him at Tom A. Willis on Twitter. I'm Brooks Bratton. You can follow me at Brooks Bratton on Twitter and Instagram. As we said, you can tweet us anytime using hashtag Preds Podcast and follow at Preds NHL on social media to see the best Predators content first. This has been episode 68 of the POP here on ESPN 1025 The Game. For more, go to NashvillePredators.com slash podcast. Fill out our survey. Don't bash Coldplay. See you, Smashville.